this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Greetings. Hasn't God given us all so much? Standing here on Sundays often served for me a highlight to what a blessed life that I live. I get to stand here looking there, and as I stand here I get to look at my family and my wife and and it's a it's a privilege i stand here and so i look and you know you don't often get to stand here looking there but it's neat to stand here and all of a sudden i look and i look at my wife and my children and as god has given me and as i'm seeing this i'm like wow this is this is awesome and then i look a row back and i see people whose lives god has trusted me to be a part of and i see more and more you don't do you see what i'm saying so to me it's like this it's like this picture that opens up that reminds me of how much I have. Amen? Those to whom God has given much, the Bible says, much is required of them. And for me, when I am sort of reveling in all that God has given me, the first thought that comes to my mind is, well, I have so much. What should I... I need to share this. You know? It's what caused the Robinette family to say... We wanted to uh, bring someone into our home that didn't have a mom or a dad. Someone asked us, they're like, didn't you have enough? And I'm like, well, yeah, we had enough. In fact, we had more than enough. And that's why we wanted to bring someone into our home because they didn't have. And so that's, that's the auspice. It's not because I don't, you know, we don't have enough children or we want more of something. But because we have so much, we wanted to share what we have with others. Of course, that means most of all that what we have to share, the most valuable thing, being the gospel in the way of the kingdom of God. But it also means material and possession things. When we give, it shows our gratitude. There's nothing more I like to see that when my children have been blessed by me, to see them giving what they have and sharing it with their brothers and sisters. How many people love to see that? Instead of going, mine, 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 it's all mine, and they've got it all here. No, you're like, you're seeing them. They got a bag of candy from grandma. Oh, they want to make sure everybody gets some, or they want to share. Isn't that a good feeling? Giving not only shows gratitude, but it shows faith. And the way that giving shows faith is because when we give away that that we have, what we're saying is God will give us more. Amen? David understood this, and our call to worship today is from Psalm 112. David said, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. See, wealth and riches aren't a bad thing if they don't have you. If you have them, that's good. But if they have you, that's bad. Unto the upright there arises light and darkness. He is gracious. 
He is full of compassion and righteousness. A good man shows favor and he lends to those who don't have. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed as he trusts the Lord. His heart is established and he shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed his goods to the poor. He, in his righteousness, it will endure forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and they shall be grieved. And they shall gnash with their teeth. But they will melt away. And the desire of the wicked will perish. While the righteous man will see what he wants come to pass. Isn't God good? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have been so good to us to bless us with so much. You have made us rich as you have given all that you had you gave your life you gave the the rest of the time that you could have spent on this earth living in uh peace and joy and happiness with friends lord you sacrificed that life and died at a young age as a man so that we who were poor we who would be really nothing but brute beasts that need to be destroyed You laid down your life and gave it for us. May we indeed, Lord, in that same spirit, realize the wealth that we have and offer and give to others what you have given to us. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Praise God from whom all blessings standing for just a few moments longer as I read my text for today. My sermon is called Giving and Getting from Matthew chapter 7 verses 6 through 12. Matthew 7 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And it shall be Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, who if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Lord, we have a lot to learn when it comes to this. And I pray today, Lord, that according to your mercy that by your spirit you would speak to us lord that you would expose uh where we run toward 
our sinful hearts and not to You. That You would reveal to us the beauty of the working of Your Holy Spirit and that You would help us indeed to be givers that give according to the Spirit of God and not to the heart of man. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, in detailing the work of the Holy Spirit, and uh, explains to us in the book of Romans chapter 12, uh, and then again in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, it tells us that God has distributed to us many gifts. That God's Spirit works in our midst in a supernatural way, and that God works. Now, to me... Uh, as I read these gifts, they all, most of them seem to make sense, and they seem, I seem to sort of understand, I think, at least I think I do, what they mean. When I hear a gift of the Spirit, like um, the gift of healing, does, it, does that make any sense to anybody? There were people in the day, right? There have been people who, when they pray for people, they're healed. Everybody can't do that, but there were people, the apostles obviously had the gift uh, when uh, there were so much so that when the actual shadow of one of the apostles even passed over some people, they were healed. Uh, anybody shadow healing anybody here? Anybody ever walked by and you you know, you know walked in front of the sun and a shadow cast on a sick person and they were healed? Anybody have that happen? Nobody here. That would take a very special gift, right? Um, and the Bible talks about these gifts, but among those gifts... Uh, is listed something that sounds very ordinary and it almost sounds confusing. It's called the gift of giving. Everybody say the gift of giving. Now for me, you know, I can understand how somebody can move a mountain or someone can heal somebody or someone can illuminate the scripture in a special way. You know, God talks to me and as I am preaching to you, I literally am hearing a message from God just like you are. God speaks through me. I understand. That's a gift of prophecy. I get it. But when I hear about the gift of giving, I think, well, anybody can do that. Right? I mean, can't anybody give something to somebody? Right? I mean, anybody can't heal. Not just anybody can have the gift of this or that. But when it comes to the gift of giving, or I wonder, I mean, this just doesn't seem to be that special. It's We all can do. You know, we... Uh, so, so what could it mean to have the gift of giving? And I believe here in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is explaining to us um, what, uh, he's shedding some light here on the subject. As I said before, anyone can give, the heathen give, evil men give, to gain advantage, bribery, uh, political giving for favor, businesses give to get. Uh, Benita is in the business of this, she's in the business of these sales guys, and, and she knows that these sales guys know the drill, right? They know that if you give, you get. I mean, I used to be in the business of medical malpractice insurance, and these pharmaceutical reps, they would come in, and they would say, well, we're going to buy lunch for the whole staff, and they would buy lunch. Do you think they were doing that because they love the doctor staff? Or the doctor has to buy pharmaceuticals from somebody, And you know, the guy who provides you hoggies for lunch every day might be a good guy to call 
when you need some drugs, right? If you're a pharmaceutical rep. We would go and we would take the doctors to uh, fancy restaurants. Even at one time, we heard that one of the administrators for a large group in Ohio, the doctors, you know, the you know, doctor's hospital, there was a guy who was over all their doctors. We heard he was going on a business trip out to California. So you know what we did? We bought him uh, tickets to play golf at Pebble Beach, okay? How, how do you think he felt about that, Bill? You think when it was up to the time for him to decide what insurance broker to consult, uh, he might have thought about us since when he was in California, he's now golfing on one of the world's most prestigious golf courses, and of course, we are making sure that it's all taken care of just for him, right? You think that's the kind of giving that's the gift of giving? Or do you think that's something maybe the Bible even warns us about? Giving is a powerful force. When someone gives something to you, it can influence you in ways that it should not. There are times in my life that people who were giving to me, I really, I realized, you know what, I shouldn't be taking anything from them. Not because, you know, their money was somehow unholy, but because I knew it was having an effect on me. The Bible warns us, if you think I'm really bad because I can be affected by it, uh, Proverbs 15, Proverbs 17 Proverbs 29, Deuteronomy 16, Ecclesiastes 7. It warns us over and over and over. Watch out for the guy who's giving gifts. Now, does that mean it's wrong to give gifts? Nope. But it means that we can be influenced. Now, if you're being influenced for good or you give gifts out of love and that garners more love, that's all well and good. But there are people, uh, it says this in these chapters, it said that he that giveth gifts perverts judgment. He that giveth gifts has many friends. And even at one point in Ecclesiastes 7, it said those that give gifts and the receiving of the gift can destroy your heart. Kind of sounds a little bit scary there. You know, our heart can be destroyed because someone's giving us gifts. Everybody say, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Oh, I want to do a favor for you. I want to do something. Oh, let me take care of that. Oh, let me do this for you. Next thing you know, they've got you wrapped around their finger. And next time they're in trouble and they need to be dealt with, it's kind of hard to deal harshly or maybe even the way you should deal with the guy that's been given and given and given. Understanding the power of giving is a great force for good and evil is wisdom from God. Here Jesus is adding this to the litany of things to look for in ourselves and others to pray and to strive for in kingdom life. Here is what giving should look like and should not look like as the kingdom of God comes and God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God should not look like... uh, You know, uh, we have a wealthy member of our church and the wealthy member of our church gives gifts to the church. And when sin is in his life, uh, Andy and I are putting our heads together and we're going, well, you know, we don't really want to we don't really want to go talk to brother so and so because, you know, we we are wanting to build a new building. And man, he gives a lot of money to the church. And if when the kingdom of God looks like that, everybody say it's ugly. James tells us that when we serve God with respect of persons, we're like the ungodly. Now understand, when Jesus assaults uh, or the apostle assaults us like this, he's not trying to tell us that we are the ungodly. He says we're living like the ungodly. Everybody say like the ungodly. 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians, and I've talked to you about this before, that we need to not walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. They walk around and they are broken and they're blind and they're groping. Like, if you see someone who's blind and they're walking around like this, it's not that it's so ugly if they're blind, but when people who can see walk around like they can't see, that's really kind of ugly, right? Why in the world should those who can see walk around like blind people? Why are those who haven't been changed by God's grace, when we see them do something ugly, it should be ordinary. I mean, you know, dogs eat dead things on the side of the road. But if I saw Derek Ratliff on the side of the road chewing on a possum that had been dead for about a week, I would go, oh my goodness. But if I saw Winter, the dog I love, do it, I might go, well, you know, that's what dogs do, right? How many have seen your dog do something you would not recommend your children do? Me, right? And we love those dogs and we pet them and we let them lay their heads on us, but only God knows literally where their mouths have been. They're nasty, but they're dogs. Well, but we love them, okay? So we all love our dogs, right? So there's much that we have to give, but it's important how we give to who we give And what we give. And here Jesus offers us a who, what, and why, and how it is uh, that we should give. And this particular passage, I am sure, is going to benefit all of us in many ways. He starts off the whole discussion with a startling image. An image that includes dogs and swine. Now, I know that we have people in this church who love pigs. And they raise these pigs for the glory of God. And, the, the, and the, they, 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 they go to fair. And it's a family thing. And it provides food for the table. And there's love in it. And, and people even, you know, people in Myanmar are even eating because of this. Okay? So I'm sorry to tell you though, swines are still pretty disgusting. Okay? And they, they are base uh, in many, many ways. Okay? They said, one commentator said, a dog... Uh, has been known to eat its own potty, but a pig will eat the potty of other people. Okay? That this is a bad deal. These are, there is something gross and disgusting about these animals that gives an image. Now, of course, God made all things good when He made them, and when He made them, they were good, but we're living in a state of sin. Now, I know this is very graphic, okay? But it is the subject matter of our sermon today. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, and cast not your pearls before swine, lest they turn and render, they trample it. I mean, there there is an image that's going on here that is hard to escape. Okay? Now, so let's look at the first verse. There is a theme here. Now, I would have never put all of this together. People always... Uh, they, they take it apart. They say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? They say, ask, you know, uh, knock and seek. And they say these things isolated, but Jesus didn't say it isolated. He said it as a thought. It is a six-verse thought, and it's about teaching us how and how not to give, who and who not give to, and what to give and not to give. Okay? So we can learn a lot. So as we look at verse 6, he says, Uh, What is the very first word? Everybody say give. Okay. So I'm going to show you the theme and then we're going to go back and we're going to, as they say today, unpack it a little bit. Okay. So the first word is give. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Okay. So the subject, everybody say the subject is giving. And you might go, well, I think you're stretching it. No, I'm not. I'll show you. Okay. In the next verse, he says, ask and it shall be given. Everybody say give it. 
It's starting to sound like a pattern, isn't it, Bill? Give, and now he's talking about giving, right? The theme continues on in verse 9. What man of you who his son asks bread will give him a stone? Everybody say, give him a stone. Kind of sounds like something here is tying all this together, right, Steve? So he's starting out about giving and giving and giving. He goes down to verse 11. He caps it off with how God gives to those who ask him. He says, give, okay? And so, so from 11 and 12, and then he, and he ends it, 12 is the gold in the wisdom here that we're going to get to at the end here. But we've we got to work our way through. All right. What we have here, as I said, is in the beginning verse, in verse 6, is what not to give. Everybody say, what not to give. Sometimes, you know, you can be a person who encourages, but should you encourage everything? You know, you have the gift of encouragement. And so you meet somebody who says, you know what? I think I want to, you know, uh, jump off a bridge. And you go, you know what? That's a great idea. I just want to encourage you. You know, you don't just encourage everything, right? And in the same sense that a person with a gift of encouragement needs to temper their encouragement with wisdom, right? So the person who gives is not just supposed to give everything. Now, what do we have to give that's more valuable than anything we have? That's more lovely, that's more precious, that's more holy. Everybody say the gospel. The word of God, the truth of God's word, the beautiful, deep things of God. There's nothing more valuable and more holy and more lovely than that. But yet we have an admonition here, Steve, that we are not to give that which is holy Unto dogs. Now, how could you even do that? How could you give something holy to dogs? Now, th- this is because we are so far removed from what they did in the temple when they worshiped God that we don't even think about it this way. But in order for us to understand what we do here, when we take communion, okay, you have to understand that worshiping God in the temple was a lot about food. Everybody say it was a lot about food. When they came to offer their sacrifices to God, I used to think, and this was in my little childish way, maybe I wasn't listening when the preacher was talking, I thought that when people brought their food or their offerings, that what they did is they offered them and then God put them up on this thing and they were just all burned up and they went to God in heaven. That's kind of what I thought. That's not what happens in the temple. Now, that does happen in the temple, but everybody say that's not what happens most of the time in the temple. Most of the time in the temple, and I don't know why, I'm on some crazy rampage of having you repeat after me. I'll try to slow that down. All right. Everybody say, slow that down. So, so, so here we are. We're, we're, we're got to get ourselves into the thinking of temple life, okay? When they brought their offerings to God, we, we, we know this, but it, somehow it escapes our mind that, that when you brought your offering to God, you were really bringing some food, Okay. What is a cow but food, right? What is a sheep but food? What is, you know, grain and weed and barley? It's all food. What is the wine that they brought? It's drink. It's food and drink, right? And so they're bringing food to God. And when they would bring the food to God, it was not burned up and consumed and done away with, okay? They took the blood and they poured that. But the meat itself actually went into a pot and it was cooked. Do you guys remember the story of Hophni and Phinehas and what they did that was so horrible? They would always, instead of do the, what traditionally they should have done, which was you throw a hook down in there, and whatever the hook catches, they, the priest would keep that. Instead, what did they do? They got the very best things for themselves. You guys remember that story? So in that story, it reminds us that the priests were eating. 
So, but this really made a great connection. You know, so the priest's work was connected to how they lived, okay? So when the Bible talks about how a minister is supposed to live from the gospel, he's to derive his support and his sustenance. Can you see the connection? God set this up early on that when priests and when, when these guys would do the things of the worship with God, they would get their food from the literally what they were doing for God. These people were offering it to God, and when you offered a sheep, you were really offering food for the priest to eat. When they had bread that was in the holy place, who ate that? Did God come and eat it, or did angels eat it, or was it the priest? It was the priest. So the work that they were involved in, it was involving food, and not only was this food for the priest to have, the other portion that was given back to the family, that family would go and they would take it and eat it. Now, you know they did this on Passover, right? And they would take this and they would take it in their home and they would eat it all. And what they didn't eat, were they supposed to throw it to the dogs? Or were they supposed to do what with it? Burn it. Burn it. Why? It's holy. Now, holy doesn't mean, like, like, you know how people have got communion wrong and they think somehow the bread's holy. Holy in this respect, it's holy because it's set apart. What's that bread for? Is that bread for eating your soup later after church? It's not really for that. Now, it's not holy in the sense that if it fell on the floor, we had to all pass out, okay? But it's holy in the part, this is bread set apart for the worship of God in particular, okay? Now, I've been guilty of finishing off some of the communion bread, so don't, you know, so I'm not after anybody here today. I know it's normally Jeff, where's he at? Uh, But... I'm not after that, but maybe we shouldn't do that, okay? But the, goal, the, but, but the point being here is that you don't give that which is holy to dogs. And in the Greek, there is a connection here. And the imagery that's going on is, is that when you go and you offer your sacrifice to God, and you eat this, and the priest gets it, and this is all part of worship, you don't take... Everyone knew it would have been absurd on that meal. Now, our normal meals, we have a slot bucket, Right? You know, we have one at our house. If you don't have chickens and dogs and all that, maybe you don't. But we have one. We don't just throw food away. We feed it to our animals. And they wouldn't have either. But you wouldn't take the meal from uh, the Day of Atonement and put it in a slot bucket and give it to your dog. Are you following that? You wouldn't take the food from the Passover and what was left over say, Oh, the dog's really going to enjoy this lamb shank, okay? This was holy to the Lord. Now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't holy in the sense that there were magic powers in it. This, went, this actually bleeds over into heathenism and idolatry because the, the heathen, they offer their meat to their idols and they believe their spirits in them, right? And that discussion comes up later in Scripture that we're not to eat meat offered to idols in front of people, that it touches their heart. But honestly, there's really, it's, it's not like there's anything in the meat, okay? So this, you know, this would be a great way of dealing with the, the heresy of transubstantiation. He's saying, hey, the evil spirits don't live inside of the dead meat that's being offered. And obviously, you know, uh, Jesus doesn't live in the bread and somehow turns to flesh in your stomach. Okay? So this superstition, I know this is a little bit of a caveat, but, but you have to get there. This meat that is holy, that is being offered to dogs, is a picture of taking the very best that we have. And they would, th- they would have seen the absurdity of it. Okay? And then next he talks about pearls uh, being given to swine. Now, pearls in this time, in this day and age, uh, were the most valuable thing. They were more valuable than gold. They were more valuable than uh, anything, any, any uh, rocks or even diamonds. They didn't really understand the values of those things then. So when they said pearls, they were talking about the most valuable thing that they had at the time. There was 
among the Jews at the time, there was a fable, uh, one that you're not familiar with, so you don't pick up on the imagery here. I hadn't heard of it either. But the fable was helping people to understand that there are some people that just don't understand the value of certain things, that they're incapable of understanding. And so what it is, it's a, it's a fable. You know how little cartoons or little fables kind of teach us principles, you know, the tortoise and the hare or whatever, you know. So this fable was like this. These people, they had these uh, pigs and they really, really loved their pigs and they were good to their pigs. And, and it'd be like, you know, uh, the goldsmiths back here, they, they, put, they put a couch in there with them and, you know, and they put a chandelier and, uh, you know, they, instead of just throwing, they cooked their food and they served it on fine china, you know, and the pigs were all good with that. And one day they, they, they decided we love them so much. We're going to put, uh, we're going to give them pearls. Now, what use does a pig have for a pearl? Everybody say they have no use. Here, I did it again, didn't I? Everybody say they had no use for pearls. And in the fable, when the pearls realize, when the pigs realized that the pearls were to them good for nothing, they just wanted more food. And they ended up trampling these valuable things under their hooves and becoming very angry and furiously attacking their owners that were trying to be good to them. The point being is that a pig has no value for a pearl. Okay? That a dog doesn't understand when something's offered to that, offered uh, to something holy. They don't understand it. Okay? Now, when we bring the gospel to people, Jesus gives us instructions on how to do that. He tells us that when we go to a town, remember what he told his disciples? He sent out the 70. When you go, if you knock on the door and they receive you and they're kind to you and they want to hear what you have to say, you should do what? Everybody say, stay. Stay. Man, I just got some serious problems today, don't I? We stay. And you spend time with them and you impart to them all that you learn. But if they reject you, then leave and do what? Dust your feet off and leave. So there's something that God commands that, that if, if God has not prepared the heart of an individual, if they have not been changed, if they are not ready to receive your words, that when you give them your words, you're going to get hurt. You know? Now, some of you that know that I, you know, like to do kind of crazy things and I'm not scared to do things that other people are. You ever notice that, or you might not notice, I am not really big into street preaching. I find it, and if you're here and you're a street preacher, you know, I don't know, Daniel, I don't know you that well. Daniel may be the world-class street preacher back there. I don't know. Uh, Daniel and uh, Tara, right? Okay. Um, So... If, if you are, I'm sorry. Okay. So, but, 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 but when you do that, when you get up and you just yell, or even if you don't yell and you talk real quiet to strangers and you tell them all about the good things of God's words, the Bible is recommending that this is a dangerous thing for you to do. Okay. This is not what you should do. You need to gauge this out. Now, I think it's very, very uh, ironic here in the scripture that Jesus has just told, what did we learn last week? Judge not, that you be not judged. And right after that, he's calling certain people swine and dogs. Now, if Jesus hadn't meant what we taught that he meant last week, then this would be completely crazy. Because now he's telling you to do what? Be judicious here. 
You need to watch out who you share the gospel with. You need to watch out who you share the most precious things of your faith with. Because if you share with the wrong people, they're going to hurt you. They're not going to receive it. They're not going to value it. They cannot. As much as a dog cannot appreciate something that's holy, or a swine cannot appreciate a value of the the pearl of great price, you need to be cautious and careful that you do not try to thrust upon this great valuable thing to dogs and to swine. Okay? This warning is given because there's violence. um, We see this lived out by Stephen. His story is, it's almost like, a, it's, it is a parable for us. Stephen preached the gospel. They rejected it. They rejected it so much, they got false witnesses. They drug him into court. There were false witnesses in there. And yes, it, it says in, at the end of Acts chapter 6, says he was there, that God, you know, the Holy Spirit anointed him, and they began to see his face as it had been the face of an angel. And they, allow, it, he, they allowed Stephen to go ahead and preach. Now, God had a plan for Stephen, and the plan for Stephen was for Stephen to be killed. And you might go, well, that's not a really good plan. That was a great plan. Sometimes the very best plan of all is to die for the gospel's sake. And God had it planned that Stephen would be killed by these vile people. And the way that it happened is that Stephen preached the gospel to them. You guys remember how it all happened? They hated him, they rejected him, they called false witnesses, here they are before the court, and Stephen says, let me tell you all about it. And as Stephen began to talk, they seemed to be listening, but really what was happening is they were boiling over in their heart, they were feeling hatred, they were feeling animosity, and do you guys remember how it goes into a fever pitch? This is the point of a fever pitch, and he's really getting down, he's taking them from David, and from David to Jesus, and he's preaching it, and all of a sudden, bam, it says, as they begin to listen to them, that their hearts begin to fill with the most evil and horror. It says they stopped up their ears and that they ran on them. And I don't even understand what this even means, but it says they gnashed on him with their teeth. I don't know what they did. I don't know, you know, and there's, there's commentators that say they were so mad their teeth were grinding or some they really fell on these and like literally, you know, with their teeth were, you know, I don't know. But we know what they did after that. They stopped their ears, they ran up and they ran, and then they, they did put him to, they put him to silence by stoning him to death. And of course he was loving them and he was forgiving them all the while. But Stephen lived this out. So if you want to die for the gospel, preach to people that don't want to hear it. Maybe that's God's purpose for your life. We are to be givers indeed, but we are to share like those lepers who heard earlier in our reading in 2 Kings 7 and realize that we should share what we have found, but Jesus is urging caution to His followers on who to share the treasure. The pearl of great price, who we share that with is important. Share it with those who find it lovely, not those who sneer at us and hate us and think that what we're saying has instead the aroma of goodness has the stench of death. Here it is clear that Jesus is expecting us to be able to judge a dog and a swine and who not to share the precious things with. So we know once again that Jesus has not been arguing in the beginning of the chapter that we should not be uh, mindful, that we should not be judicious. But what He doesn't want us to do is judge from the wrong motive. He wants us 
to judge from the right heart, not from our prideful assessment of others and our prideful assessment of ourselves and wrong motives. He wants us to, according to his word, to uh, judge the best we can. As he continues in instruction in verses 7 and 8, he says this. Now, some people treat this passage, I'm telling you, uh, like, like, you know, like sometimes they do the book of Proverbs as though what Jesus is saying is not connected, but it is. Verses 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. Here Jesus is encouraging, asking, seeking, and knocking as a way of getting what we need. Now we discourage this. We don't like it when people ask. We don't like it when people do too much. We don't like it when people let us know. It bothers us. And maybe sometimes it should, but I really don't think it should. I mean, I think that there, you know, how many of you like to find out that your child had a need or had a desire and forever they had it, they had it, and they had it, and they just never told you and, and you could have met the need very easily. How many are thrilled to hear about that? I'm not. I find out and I'm like, Elizabeth. Why didn't you tell your daddy? Daddy loves you. If you didn't think you had, you know, something to wear, or you didn't think this, your dad loves you. Well, you know, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to do it. Well, honey, how can daddy know? And when people love each other, when you find out what is going on in people's lives, some people, they're afraid to talk about it. And I'm not encouraging poor mouthing. But sometimes it's okay to tell people where you are. This is where I am. This is my situation. I have need. Would you pray for me that God would help me? You're not, you're not saying it because you know what's in their bank account. You're not saying it because you know what, you know, or you want to try to guilt them. Okay. This is one of these precious things of God. When I know people's needs, I love to be the one who gets to answer their prayer. This is something I believe in. You know, how can I be the answer to Luke's prayer if I don't know what his prayers are? How can I be God meeting that need because God has blessed me with more than I have if I don't know Luke has the need? And we're so prideful that we don't like to talk about when we're in need. Well, the church in Jerusalem that was experiencing famine in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, how do you think they found out about it? Pray for us. You know, our people are starving and there's been disease and blah, and we're having trouble and this is a rough business and, and pray for us. We need help. It doesn't always mean that the people you tell about your need are the ones who can meet it or you should expect them to. But how many of you that God has blessed you with more than you have have been glad to find out someone has a need so you can meet it? Anybody? I'll tell you, it's a beautiful thing. And you know what? When Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive... You know, uh, there, there's, there have been times in my life uh, that I really have understood that more than others. When there have been needs that I've seen over and over and over, and I have just been clenched up inside because I don't have any way to meet that need. I see this person, they want to do this. I see this person who's suffering. I hear about people doing bad in another country. And, and, and Bill, I want to do something about it, but I don't have the means. I don't have the resources, and I'm grieved. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. So then when God blesses you and you have it, you know, when, you're, when, when there's money there to do it or a resource or time or skill, I love it when, when and, and I used to love this. I would, I would not have the resources, but then I'd be like, hey, is there something I can do for you? You know, I remember uh, one time, I think it, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but Jeff and Amy were dealing with some 
crazy person on a phone and they were trying to get a refund, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I can't help Jeff and Amy in a lot of way, but I'll get on the phone with those people. Remember that? And I'm, I guarantee you, I can talk them into the refund, you know, because that's the gift I've got. I've got the gift. I, Hey, how you doing? You know, and I'll talk to him on the phone. I'll be like, you know, you, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I need to be you and and I'm going to be on there and I'm going to talk to him. And by the end of it, what, what did something good happen, Amy? All right, something good happened. That was something I could give. And I remember wanting so much to bless the brownfields, but having no way to do it. And then all of a sudden realizing, I got something I can do. Kind of like, kind of like our good brother Jason. When Jason finds out that I need something welded, I'm just joking around because we were talking about it earlier. Uh, he's happy when I, when he, what can I do for you? Well, I do have this thing that needs welded. What can Jason do? He can do a lot of things, but can he weld? He can well. Isn't it a good thing when the thing that you have and your gifts that you have, you can offer them? You know? You know, Steve might be saying, I might not be the guy who can pay for the lean-to, but I'll build it. You know? He's not thinking this is a way to earn a little extra money off the church. He's thinking it's a way to bless the Lord. You know, now if you were thinking about that, we can talk about that later. But 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 his but the idea is this is something I can do. We all joke that when Steve came to the church, we're like, so we all would joke about the electricity. He it was his first service, okay? And we're just like, you know what, you know, we have no, our circuits just keep blowing here at the church. It was like a big joke in the church because we knew Steve's big heart. And all that we had to do was, was just mention that we had an electrical need and Steve be like, I can fix that. Let's get some fuses going and let's run some wire. I know how to do that. Why? Because we know that that's where his heart is and that's what his ability is. You follow me? It's okay to know needs and it's okay. And what I'm telling you is Jesus is saying, this is how we get not only how we get from other people, but it's how we get from God. If you don't ask, you're not going to get it. If you don't go out and do something, it isn't going to happen. If you don't knock on a door, it's never going to open. I remember, uh, having, uh, wanting to have livestock and having no idea how to be a farmer and I was driving down the road with my family, and I look over, and this guy's got cows and chicken. He's got everything. And the kids, I pulled in his driveway, and my kids go, what are you doing? I go, I'm going to go knock on this guy's door. They're like, why? I'm like, I don't know how to farm. This guy obviously knows how to farm. I'm going to ask him if he would be willing to tell me what on earth to do with my animals. And they're like, oh, dad, oh, dad, you know, come on, dad, don't do that. And I'm like... You would have thought I opened the door with a bag of presents in my arms and a, and a load of cash. This guy was looking for somebody he could tell about farming. He was looking for somebody. This guy ended up, I never asked anything of this guy. This guy ended up giving us a cow. Uh, this guy raised the cow and butchered the cow and gave us the meat from the cow at his own house. I mean, come on, right? Not only did he do that, but he found out we had animals and he would go pick up the feed because he knew the place and he would pay for the feed and bring it over. And I'd be like, now, Ralph, you don't have to do that. And he'd be like, hey, you know what? Oh, I was over there. I was getting 40 bags. What's 41? And I'd be like, oh, Ralph, come on. And all of a sudden, you know what I had? I had a friend. Why? Because here was a guy who when he saw a place where he could give, his compassion went and he ran with it. This is giving. No, you know, because I knocked on the door, he was able to give. Because Colton Davy sent me an email telling me of his need. Todd Adams a while back, his daughter sent a note saying, man, she'd really like to have a cello or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I could buy her a cello. 
I want, to, I want her to have that. And there was something in me that was like, man, I want to help her out. And I was glad that she sent the request and that I knew. She said, hey, you may not be able to meet the need. That's fine. Maybe you know someone who has one. But I just want to let you know. God is telling us. Do you guys know the axiom? And it's not in the Bible, but I'm telling you it's where it came from. Everybody say, everybody don't say this. God helps those who help themselves. Okay, you've all heard it, right? There's something about that God is letting us know that, you know what? You're never going to find the job if you don't look for one. You're never going to, to, to find the farmer to help you if you don't go knock on a few doors. You're never going to get your need met if you're too ashamed and too prideful to let your need be known. Okay? Now, there are bad ways of doing that. And we can, we can preach about poor-mouthing around the people of God when you really have plenty so they can whatever. And if you got that going on, then that, you know, we'll deal with you in another service. And by the end, hopefully you'll be at the altar repenting. We should be people of action. We should be people who ask. We should, you know, why, why in the world? You know, I knew that, that, that I could not meet the people in Myanmar. I could not meet their needs. But you know what? I knew, and I have met people. And I've met people, and I've seen them, and, and, and it's horrible to ask for yourself. But, you know, you can find out about someone else's need. I could ask you today. Anybody want to help Colton Davey? Anybody want to help him go to Papua New Guinea? And I share that need. He's got a need. I like telling about other people's needs. Why? Because we get right down to it. You know what? I wish somebody would care about my need. I wish somebody would tell somebody about my need. And we get down to the bottom. He's saying, do unto others as you'd have done unto them. When we share our needs, it should be on our hearts. Jason should be going around thinking, well, where can Mark get this trip? Mark really wants a trailer. And you know what? I got an uncle who's got one who got a cut. Hey, do you got you guys got an extra trip? Do you see what I'm saying? You're you're out. This this activation of knowing and sharing our hearts and working is the way that we can see the unseen hand of God to be seen. God calls us to be people of action. Things are not going to just quote. Uh, be there when we need them or quote we should do nothing because God is taking care of everything for us God wants us to go out there are many many times that you know I will go out and I am beating on doors trying to get jobs you know trying to get work you know because we're trying to build our business or because we're in the past because I'm just flat out trying to provide for my family and I'm knocking on the door knocking on the door and you know what Christina all the people in all the doors they didn't want my help and I'm going away going, well, you know, at least I went out and I knocked. And as I'm driving away, an old guy will flag me down. Hey, do you cut trees down? And I'm thinking, I never even knocked on his door. Where did he come from? Did he drop out of the sky? You know? And God would let me see that there's something that happens when I go out and knock, but it doesn't necessarily have to have a cause and effect. The doors I knock on never have to open. But when I go knocking on doors, a door opens. You understand? This is how it works in the kingdom of God. We go out, Steve, and we look for the work. But you know what? They may never come. And then out of the blue, Craig uh, Snyder pulls in our driveway and says, you know, uh, Craig Snyder, a guy that we know, pulled in my driveway the other day and said, hey, I got like seven cords of wood or something over at this place if you want to go pick it up. It's like been laying in someone's yard for, for six years seasoning. Would you like some of that? I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of would. I wasn't looking for that. But, but when you are active and when you are out there and when you are knocking and when you are seeking, he's explaining that this is how giving happens. This is what this subject is about. You get to be like God. You have the gift of giving 
this is the win in giving. Uh, you are glad to hear about the need. You're glad when you can meet it. It's not a burden to you. It's not an oper- it is an opportunity to you to be a part of what God is doing. You don't make the people that you bless feel like dogs for needing help or feel that uh, you need to make sure that they're not going to need it again. You know, I can't say that I've always been the best at this. I have fallen short in this many, many times in my own life. I've been lacking here. But when you get it right and when you, it, 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 it's, when it comes together the way it should and when, that, when the Spirit of God within you works, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, and I know I've been preaching for a while, but I'm, I'm plowing through. I'm only in verse 9. I'm not done. I'm sorry if you're busy and, you know, I've taken too much time. But here we are. He goes in verse 9 and he calls on the, uh, the, 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 the better nature, you might say, or I, almost, I would say, actually, almost the, the worst nature in us when he says this. He said, what man is there whom, if your son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will he give him a serpent? I say that he's, he's calling to our worst nature because when we give to the closest to us, when we give to our own children, we're really, in essence, giving to who? To ourselves, okay? So I'll, I'll, let, me, let me read here what God gave me. I think it's a pretty broken person who cannot find joy and love and happiness in being the means of providing uh, food for your children. I mean, if, if every time you get together at your table... You begrudge the kids that are in need. Anybody begrudge? You know, you look over at little Matthew Cusel and go, you know what? You ought to get out there and work for yourself. I'm tired of providing this food for your table. Like, as you feel that, you're like, no, he's my son. I love him. I mean, it's my joy. You know, that those, those steaks from that burger, you know, or from that deer, you know, man, you know what? My kid gets to eat that. And I, and it's a joy, right? See, he's calling to us and he's appealing to our sin nature here. Why is it that we enjoy doing it for our son, for our son, when everyone around us, our brothers and sisters, are the sons of God? Because we like doing it for our sons, okay? Every child is not ours, they're God's. We often think of them as our own, and our pride causes us to love them because we love ourselves so much. That's why loving them, scoundrels as they are, is much easier than loving someone else's scoundrels. They are your brand of scoundrel. Okay? Now, I, you know what? I think you ought to repeat that. Your children are your brand of scoundrel. Everybody say that. Now, if you think I'm, I'm, I'm off here, I'm telling you, I am not. Jesus is saying, why is it that when you provide for them and when they have a need, do you get mad when, you know, Hannah, you know, comes up and says, you know, Dad, we haven't eaten for three days. I'm hungry. Of course she has a need. She's going to tell you. You know, your little one who played and, and, and went to sleep without having dinner wakes up and they're starving to death. And you're just like, you should have ate, you know, and you some kind of ogre. Oh, no, no, dad. Oh, you haven't eaten in 15 hours. Daddy, daddy wants to get you some food. He's saying, but we don't treat each other that way. And if you think I'm jumping to conclusions, Jesus says it in a way that would offend some of you. If you people being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. I mean, what a question. Hey, Jonathan, if you, as evil and as messed up as you are, love to give a good gift to little baby Nora. You got that right, right? He said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that, everybody say, ask. 
See, this is not only a way that we get the things that God gives us, but it's also a way that God answers our prayers. It is a, should be a motivation to prayer. God is extolling His holiness here. He, the giver of all good gifts, the Father of lights, reminds us that if we, as evil as we are, we who find it easy to give to our own children, God who is holy is eager and willing to give to us what we need. He is encouraging us to be like Him. And when we hear the pleadings and the needs of others, instead of begrudging them for it, we love them like when we hear about our child who's hungry and we enjoy feeding them. We need to understand that God offers that gift to us that when we find the brother and sister in need, we take as much joy meeting their need and giving to them as we do feeding our own children. And he ends it. Putting an end cap on it in verse 12, he reminds us that one way to guide us toward the light of this truth is that when we give, it is, to, it is a call to do unto others, to give to others in the way that you would want to be given to, with kindness, love, understanding, generosity, the same thing that we want from others. He says in verse 12, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even to them, for thus is the law and the prophets. I'm going to read the whole passage again and we'll be done. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you who, if your son asks bread, would he give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would he get a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask? Therefore, everybody say, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The wisdom of God about giving is you should give the way that you wish. Somebody would give to you. The way they do it, the heart they do it, and with the love. Let us pray. Lord, we're all so needy. We need things that can't be bought. We need things we couldn't buy. And Lord, you don't begrudge us for our needs as we don't begrudge our little children for wanting food on the table. And Lord, you are eager and willing to meet those needs. And the way that many of our needs are going to be met is by being humble enough to let others know about our need, to be hardworking enough to try to go out and and try to knock on the doors, to inquire where these things might be done. And you in your mercy, you come by your Holy Spirit and you show us that hand that we can normally not see. We see it as you answer our prayers through the people that we meet and the people who that you send, who by the gift of giving become the answer to our prayers and we the answer to others. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.